Welcome to Potter Familias, coming to you from Fairhope, Alabama. I'm Todd Sylvester. And I'm Stefan Sylvester. We have cameras, if you watch this podcast on YouTube, but they're called IP cameras. They're not connected with HDMI cords, they're connected with Ethernet. Mm -hmm. We did that, if you want the technical stuff, so that it doesn't overheat your processing and we don't have a switcher starting off a little lower budget but the problem the issue is that normally it causes i know know some of these words it causes it to be a video delay oh so you have to hold back your audio you have to delay your audio to match up with the video and you can't watch the screen while we're recording because everything is two and a half seconds behind well i do watch the screen to see what i just did but I was thinking earlier while I was setting everything up, what if life was like that? What if for whatever reason, and you were the only one experiencing it, like everything was on a two second delay, you would do it and then everyone else wouldn't notice or see it or hear it for two and a half seconds. Wait, hold on. So how would that work? Because if you you can't be, so you're totally separate from everything else that's happening and every single thing you do what's the cutoff point like how would you be experiencing your life i don't know i was thinking of that like that would totally freak me out where you'd say something and then you'd have to wait two and a half seconds for the person to hear it and react to it but what would that change all it would do is make your life like are you saying that you're experiencing life two and a half seconds behind everyone else or ahead of them i think it's ahead of them yeah two and a half seconds ahead of them interesting and imagine like driving. <laughs> no, that wouldn't work. Yeah, there's no way. That's like, have you ever played a really slow video game where you're driving and it, you know, it's like moving along and you can even see the pixels and it's like, yeah, tink, tink, yeah, tink. that would be you're your trying, life. You're, that would be your life. You're trying to judge like where, when to make the turn so that you're not hitting the other character. I'm thinking about yeah. Mario Kart. Yeah. Specifically. How do you like, like that? How do you like no them way. apples? If, if real life was like that, no way. That wouldn't work. I'm pretty confident. I was thinking about it earlier today, and I'm pretty confident it would take about an hour before I would go certifiably insane. Yeah. Like, they would have to put me on medication. Yeah, and they'd probably be like, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah. Jeez, he's, he's so upset all the time. <laughs> For crying out loud, listen to me! I'm just trying to live! <laughs> <laughs> Going to the movies? Yeah. Ha, ha, ha! Did I ever tell you about the time that I lived that? No. I didn't tell you about this? No. Okay, so we went to go see... um, I'm pretty sure you were there for this, unless I'm remembering the wrong movie. Um, We went to go see Hail Caesar. You were there for this, right? Was I? I don't remember. Okay, well, maybe maybe I'm, I'm misremembering, but I know that Afton and I, my wife and I, went to go see Hail Caesar, that Coen Brothers movie. And I love the Coen brothers, mm-hmm. with the exception of a couple of their films, which I did not enjoy. I didn't find them funny. I always think that their humor is really funny. Yeah. And well, so I mean, it's a little dark. It's but... very dark, but that's why I like it. Yeah. And so we're in this movie, and there are a couple of things that happen where I'm invested. I'm watching the movie. I'm, I'm paying attention to the story. And a couple of things happen that just make me guffaw, like belly laugh. And no one laughed with me. <laughs> And it happened once and I was just like, okay, all right, it's fine. You know, I just obviously found something funny that no one else did. And there were probably like 50 or 60 other people in the theater. And 
And then it happened again. See, <laughs> I was like, not there. I have no <laughs> recollection of that, but I wish I was. Oh, man, it was... Because I would have been interested to see if the same thing made me laugh also, since you and I oftentimes have similar... We do. It's true. The third time it happened, I was waiting to see if me laughing would make other people laugh, thinking like, okay, maybe I'll be the catalyst for people getting the joke. And it didn't work. And it didn't work. No. I was laughing and I tried to like extend it a little bit just to see if I could get some other people to join in. Yeah. And I crashed and burned. That's awesome. Let's punch up the main thing. That is great. Yeah. No one laughed with me. I would have laughed with you. I appreciate that. Because you're awesome. Thank you. It's the main thing. Now it just makes a great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on retreat one time, and one of the things that we were doing was journaling. And I'm not a big journaling guy. I'm kind of a little jealous of people who are into the daily journaling and then they go back and on particular anniversaries, they'll go back and read their journal and mm-hmm. look at that. I just, I don't, I probably should because I have such a poor memory. It'd be really cool. My dad used to keep this little diary, this little black book thing. Anyway, so we're journaling and they gave us the journal at the beginning of the retreat and he, the retreat master would give us things to write about. Like I want you to write about this or past experience, but da da. So he said, all right, for the next one, I want you to write about the best Christmas present ever. And it was all guys on this retreat. And we were all kind of like competitive with our journaling because we're men. Yeah. Makes sense. And I thought, oh, man, I'm totally going to beat all of these guys. I am going to cream them. And I don't care if they're from wealthy families and they got a Corvette for Christmas. Okay. I am going to think of the best Christmas present ever. And Wait. I am I am going to school them. So it didn't have to be something that you'd actually received in real life? Well, n- he didn't specify. Okay. But I'm pretty sure we were all... We were all confident that that's what what he meant. So I scoured my brain. I went back to the memory banks. I went deep, yeah, deep into the web, the dark web. The dark web. I of got your in brain. there. I got in there. <laughs> I was like, "Come on, Medulla Blangata, let's go, baby. Oh my goodness, let's dig in there and let's take up." Woo! Was this before you took ginkgo biloba? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I should have had some because it would have been awesome. So, and I, I did. I remembered. In, in fact, this is how I remembered it. My mom forgot to give me a present on Christmas Day, and Ooh, no, and my, but it wasn't something I was expecting, so I didn't miss it. In fact, I, I then remembered why is she going so deep, like going around to the hiding places, going up into the little attic storage. I'm, I'm thinking, what's the big deal? Because I just was playing with the presents that I got. Well, my birthday's in February, and fortunately, she found it before my birthday, so I got it for my birthday. And oh, you mean like she lost the present? Yes. Okay, it I was got there. I thought somewhere. she meant like forgot to get you a present entirely. No, and I was like, man, that's no, really sad. You're like no. brushing past this, like you know, they forgot to get me a present at Christmas, but really, it's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. And we won't talk about my 13th birthday. I was going to say, forgot, I thought yeah. it was going to be a story like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> we won't so talk about sorry. that. They were busy people. They were busy people. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. when I got this present, though, one of my siblings went. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mom was supposed to give you that on Christmas Day. And I would have never <laughs> so known. She blew it. <laughs> oh, man. Hand it to older siblings. But, like, hey, 
I was too young. I was too young to even care because the president was awesome. Let me tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. It was this uh, 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 Navy carrier ship. Whoa, model. Okay, how big? And it it? was. Well, I'm gonna. My memory is that it was like six feet long. Right. But it was probably closer to three feet. Yeah. And it had these foam airplanes that there was a rubber band in the track inside the boat that you'd have a little hook or something and you'd put it down in the track and then you'd pull back and then you'd let go and the foam airplane would take off. Okay, that's really cool. Um, and I was like, I am going to win. I want, I, you guys are going down. I want this as an adult. Heck yeah. yeah. And, I, and I thought that's exactly what every single one of these guys on this retreat is going to feel like. Man, I'm so jealous of that guy. His parents are awesome. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell him about the present gonna, coming late, coming on my birthday, because it really was, I'm thinking, best Christmas present ever. That was a Christmas present, even if I got it in February. Right, so it doesn't okay? matter. It doesn't right. break the rules, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's cool. So I was jazzed. That was the one time that we were journaling that i burned it up baby i it was like one of those blue composition books i was going to town i was like yeah Mm. you guys stink my presence awesome those composition books haunt my dreams by the way oh oh as very well they should they're the worst but i'm going i'm going and i'm writing and then we come back after this prayerful time that was my prayerful time you're just thinking and and i'm like on the edge of my seat and i'm like jumping up and down because as soon (laughs) as he says does anyone want to share yeah 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 thank you jesus normally guys hey does anyone want to share we're like looking around like look at the crack on that ceiling (laughs) it's like yeah i I was gonna jump up yeah because i was like yeah in your face guys check this present out you guys stink yeah so Mm-hmm. We come back. Everything's cool. They're trying to like they p- would play this little cassette tape of music, like John okay. Michael Talbot. Hold on, because music. I know you, I have a feeling I know where this is going. But continue. Okay, and they they play the music, and everyone's calm. And get the retreat master, the priest, comes back. He says, "All right, all right. So who would like to share?" And as right mm-hmm. seconds before my hands dart okay. up into the air, who would like to share the best Christmas present? That they've ever given. Mm-hmm. And everyone in the room died a thousand deaths. Oh. Because we're all looking around going, he he didn't say the best Christmas present we've ever given. He just said best Christmas present ever. Um, Wait, how old are you at the time? Uh, 20. Okay. Around 20. So we're all looking around like. Well, my prediction was wrong. No, that was, that was mine. The prediction was it's Jesus. Yeah, but the problem was we all got totally schooled. Mm-hmm. There was maybe forty-five guys there. One hundred percent of us were wrote about a present that we'd received. A hundred percent. Wow. And not, none of us even like even the the pro journalers. Uh, some of them wrote like about three or four presents that they've got. No one wrote like, oh, a couple presents that I got and one that I gave, mm-hmm. like one that I gave my mom before she died from cancer. You <laughs> oh know, I mean, like yeah. nobody. Wait, wait, wait. So what was the. Um... He said, I want you to write about the best Christmas present ever. No one wrote about Jesus. No one wrote. 
We all wrote stuff like mine. But what we we were hold on. So what was his point? I mean, that that sounds like he. he, It wasn't. He wasn't even criticizing us. Okay. In fact, it was. It was just. It wasn't something where he was like, "Ah, see, I told you, you guys are all selfish and self-centered, and you don't seem to care about others, and your ego is like inflated." He wasn't saying that. He just said, "Well, I, I said, you know, write about the best Christmas present ever." Did anyone write about one that they'd given? And none of us had. Hmm. None of us had even thought about it. In our defense, we were all unmarried guys. I mean, I guess some of them had some serious girlfriends. And maybe none of us had kids. Maybe they had some nieces and nephews. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I, all I did the next hour, like we took an hour of meditation after his short talk, and this, this was the shortest talk of them all because it was like the talk was given in the fact that when I was journaling, I was really only thinking about myself. I wasn't thinking about others. And it, it really had a profound positive effect on me. I'm not saying that I'm cured of my selfishness. Yeah, no, but you've talked about this before because I remember this. Now, I, I had forgotten the story, which is why I didn't know what the ending was going to be. But I remember you talking about this specific thing that you learned on multiple occasions when you would talk at youth group. Right, because it changed my rhetoric. I, the, the, we, this was way before cell phones. Okay? Yeah. But now with cell phones, Christmas Day, 10 o'clock in the morning, when you're texting your friends, What's the question that you text? What'd you get? What did you get? And although I don't do that anymore as an adult, which is kind of sad. Well, yeah, but I think it it helps us so that your focus now is on your kids Mm -hmm. or on your wife, maybe. And maybe you'd might want to say, oh, and my wife gave me this. You know, it's not something yeah. where they're specifically even asking because it's not like you're going down and dumping out your stocking and doing a massive tear. No, out. no, that's fair. It's it's definitely different from when I was a kid, though. But I see your point. Right. So now the question is, what did you give? Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking of that, and and I was kind of rocking people's world by asking that question, what did you give? It immediately made me think that that's the question that God is going to ask us after we die. Ooh. That's that's the question. He's yeah. not going to ask, what did you get? Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> that's such an abundance of grace that yeah. we, we probably never recognized it in our whole life. Yeah, He's going to ask, what did you give? Mm-hmm. Another way you could look at it is he's not going to ask what gifts and talents and blessings he gave to you because he knows. He's going to ask, what did you do with them? Yeah, what did you do with them? Mm-hmm. Did you bury them? Or did you go and yeah. give them to the world? And the coolest part about that parable, though, and if you're not familiar with the it, parable of the talents, the par- you can you just want me to you Google. want me to summarize it real quick. I can yeah, do it please. in twenty seconds. Please. So, the the parable is a story that Jesus told where he was making this example, and he said a master gave three of his servants incredibly large sums of money. To the first servant, he gave what is it? Five talents. What one? One, three, and five. One, three, and five. And talents were. Uh, like ridiculous sums of money at that time. It was like the equivalent of a bag of gold. Right. And it was how many bags of gold I think did you the get? measurement was something close to 130 pounds of silver. Yeah, which is insane. So at that time, it was like a fortune. How many fortunes did he give? So he gave one, three, and five fortunes to these three servants. And then he went off on a journey. And the servant who got 
the five measures of silver went off and spent them and invested invested them. invested them, used them, and made five more. And then the servant with three made three more, and the servant with one went off and buried his talent in the ground, buried his bag of silver in the ground, and waited. And then when the master came back, he congratulated the servants who used their talents, their amounts of money to create more money, and he severely and harshly criticized the servant who did nothing with what he had been given. And I think the moral of that story is obvious. You're supposed to use the gifts that you've been given to enrich the world. But a cool part of it is that he says, you know, to utilize these things to yield 30, 60, and 100-fold, which I remember also listening to a speaker who looked up what the normal yield is on a crop, mm-hmm. and it's something like sevenfold. So for him to be using the numbers is so extreme. 30, 60, 100-fold yeah. is far greater than what we probably think that we can accomplish. And everyone would have understood what he was talking about at that time because it was an agricultural society. But this is the neat part is, notice, we are the ones that put a value of hierarchy in there. Yeah, God doesn't. 30-fold is the same, basically, as 100-fold as long as you're doing the best that you can with what you've got. But, But the direction and the mindset and the focus is on others. You're not doing these types of things for yourselves. What did you give? Mm -hmm. What did you give? And my best days ever in my life are the ones where I spent myself for others. Yeah, I would have to agree. And the most fulfilling and satisfying days too, which is kind of funny. It's almost like it's the opposite of what you would expect because I can remember there was a big chunk of time in my young adult life where I was... And I would never have admitted this, but I was really invested in creating as much time for me to relax as possible. Mm -hmm. And I spent an unbelievable amount of time, money, and stress just trying to create more opportunities to do that, which was hilarious at the time. Looking back, I mean, it's hilarious. It was kind of sad at the time. And now, the, the way that I experience my life, the best days are the ones where I fall into bed next to my wife exhausted knowing that I did everything that I was supposed to do and poured myself out for my family or poured myself out playing music for people or doing ministry or whatever. Those are the best days because I go to sleep thinking like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. I am satisfied. I am fulfilled. And I'm still tired. It's not like it makes the tiredness go away. You know? It's like, now yes, I'm refreshed. Now everything because is... Because I have the right attitude. Everything is better. And the knee that I strained when I was playing basketball <laughs> with the high schoolers is now magically better. It's like, that's not how it works. And I wish that was how it worked, but it's not. Like, we had a very long weekend this weekend. Afton and I did. We pulled uh, three days in a row where we were doing stuff for, like well beyond a normal work day. Mm-hmm. And this was the weekend. Right, so, right. And the only exception was coming over and hanging out with y'all on Sunday. And we still had a lot to do on Sunday. And I, you know, help out with high school youth group on Sunday nights. And so it, we were really busy. And we got into bed on Sunday and we were both just like, <sighs> like we normally pray together, but right. we were just like, okay, Hail Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Nice. And it was, you know, in the morning we were like, okay, we have to do better about like actually praying before we're just straight up asleep. Right. But it was good. It felt good. Yeah. It felt like we were 
we're fulfilling our purpose as parents and as spouses and as people that have jobs and careers and vocations. Because if you're not doing that, then what are you doing with your life? Well, and that's the problem is that the world tells you what you're doing is going after everything that's really going to make you happy. Because you want comfort, you want excessive amount of stuff, mm-hmm. and the stuff that you get, as soon as you get it, it's not shiny anymore. Right. Wait, hang on. So we, we we need to talk about this for okay. real, because this is one of the um, the primary shift that I'm trying to help happen when I do ministry for high school boys especially, because right. I remember being a kid in high school. I remember the mental state that I was in, and... And again, this is not a criticism of anybody in particular. This is just me looking at culture from doing ministry, looking at the parents of the kids who've been in my program, who've been in Kathleen's program, and who've come from your program and who are now older. I can see clearly that many of the dads in these families, even if the families are great, still in a lot of ways think like they're in high school. Yeah. And I don't mean that they are, you know, interested in the same things necessarily, but the the hierarchy of importance when it comes to the things they're supposed to do with their life is virtually the same. And that even goes, I would even go so far as to say that it's virtually the same in some of the worst possible ways. Use some examples. So for example, I had a, an awesome dad uh, of some of the kids that are in my program come and help out with one of the dinners the other night, he did amazing. He came and did everything I asked him to do, and we got to hang out and talk for a minute. He talked about how much he loves his kids. It was awesome. That was really fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And that's really unusual. Most of the time, if I encounter somebody outside of ministry, if they're not looking at me as like, oh, you're the guy from church. I got to like act and speak a certain way. If I see them out and about, if I see them when I'm playing a gig, if I see them at the grocery store, most of the time, the impression that I get is that they're doing still what I was doing about 10 years ago, which is looking for every opportunity that I can find to relax, to do exactly what I want to do when I want to do it. And their whole life is geared toward that. And they might not even realize that in fairness. Again, I'm serious when I say this is not a criticism. This is just an observation. Um, For myself, part of going through that whole process of my wife getting sick and having to shoulder real responsibility for the first time, that forced all of my priorities to immediately get in order because otherwise nothing was going to work for me or for my marriage or, or anything. All of it was going to fall apart unless all of my priorities were in order immediately. So they, they fell into place. And one of those things was being able to understand when I need to be able to sacrifice the things that I want, even if they're things that I really want and it's genuine, like authentic, something good. It's not even something that's sinful or wrong. It's just something that I want. I still have to be able to say, well, I don't get to have that right now. Mm -hmm. And maybe not ever. It's like, who cares? I've got other stuff that I've got to do. I have to change diapers. And That's not to say that I've lost my identity in giving up everything that I ever want to do. That's definitely not true. But I recognize when I need to be able to just let that stuff go. Yeah. And I don't do it perfectly, but I think that in a weird way, it was a blessing to go through all that stuff at the beginning of my marriage because it forced me to look at everything and be like, you know what? 
Um, I'm really living for myself in a lot of ways. And I don't just mean like, you know, trying to do whatever I want whenever I want to do it. I mean, I'm building my life around that principle Mm -hmm. instead of just letting that be something that I'm doing every day. I was building everything in my life around that principle of me. Yeah. Like I want to do what I want to do. Right. And I think what you're talking about is the question that we're going to be asked when, when that time comes and our life is coming to a close is, did you live in that way? Did you build your life around self-interest or did you build your life around the willingness to sacrifice? Because you don't have to sacrifice everything all the time. In fact, I would argue that you don't have to sacrifice everything most of the time. Well, things change from being a sacrifice too. Yeah. Because you just start to embrace them and then you start to know that this action that you're doing, even though it might not have been a habit years and years ago, now has become a habit and it's driven by love. Yeah. So, it's so it not, feels it's not easier, hard. but yeah. you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. It's I know like, exactly that's, what you're That's the about. answer to the question is yeah. like, how much are you living for your interests and how much are you willing to let those go for the benefit of the people that you love? Yeah. And one thing I would also recommend to y'all is ever since college, I've gotten into the habit of doing what is called an examination of conscience. Yeah. So as I'm lying in bed, I look over the day. And I look over all of the things that I did, all the things that I didn't do that I felt like I should have done, all the things that I said, all the things that I didn't say that I probably should have said, you know, what went through my mind, what kind of motivated me in that day. And not that I I give myself a grade, you know, some kind of number grade, like I got an an 89 today. (laughs) Out of 100. That is a B plus. But I I think, all right, where do I need to work on things to make them better? Mm -hmm. And then what do I need to make sure that I continue to do? Because that was was good for me. Right. And then I honestly do, though, judge how I feel about the day. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I feel? Like, my gut feeling was that a good day would i would i say that that was a good day and it's not just because i had ice cream you know it's it's like all right what was this a day where if this is my last day am i proud of this yeah am i proud of this as my last day and i don't you don't have to do anything super right it's not like I saved the orphan children from the fire. You know, I, I, it's 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 That's, not that it has to be something that goes on the front page of the paper. But did yeah. everyone that encountered me did they experience some semblance of love? Right. That is the goal. Yeah. What did you give? Hmm. What did you give? It's a great question. And I'm gonna ask myself that even more often. Same. I'm going to try to remember to just keep on asking myself that question. What, Todd, what did you give? Yeah. Because it's an easy one to think of in that manner because then you, then you can kind of <laughs> compartmentalize and go, wait, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Got to change some stuff. I, I, uh, uh, I, I ate ice cream. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends. If you're watching this on YouTube, then like, share, subscribe, do the stuff, comment, tell us what you think, do all that kind of stuff. And thanks so much for listening to Potter Familius. Uh, if you do want to become a patron, the link is down there in the description. That would be cool. We appreciate y'all. Thanks. <laughs>